This is the, the Craft, Craft Equity, Equity Collective. Collective. Today's episode is hosted by me, Taylor. Cassandra. And me, Becca. Today, Brittany's not joining us, but she sends her love and hopes you drink a beer on her. Yep. Uh, warning today, we are going to discuss uncomfortable truths within the craft industry that may include harassment, violence, discrimination, and retaliation. Throughout today's episodes, you'll hear acronyms and references such as DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, also called JEDI, Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. And we may discuss a COC, a Code of Conduct. Uh, today we have Devon Buckingham, brewmaster and director of operations and all-around badass at Drake's Brewing on the line. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, I just want to kind of have a minute to check in with everyone and listen, find out what you're sipping on. Uh, and uh, as we get started and get ready to open up our beers, I wanted to give a big shout out and congratulations to Devo and the team at Drake's on their World Beer Cup win with their Irish Red. It's a big deal. Woo! Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it is a big deal. Cheers. Of course, we're drinking your beer right now. So <laughs> we just wanted you to know that we could not open up this session. We're doing a cheers, cheers. here. We're excited to be back in the studio. It's been a minute since we've been here just because, uh, as we all know, in the craft beer industry, we have five jobs. And to do something you're passionate about, you fit it in where you can. And and it's the thing you think about all the time. So we've been wanting to get back here, but it's taken us a minute. So we're so excited to have this talk with you today because... We all need to be here and we need to keep talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in beer. So all right, so are you sipping on anything? What are you what are you drinking, Devo? What's your what's your non-alcoholic uh, option <laughs> that you have? Is it water? <laughs> yeah, it's, right now it's water. Yeah. I um I try to have uh three alcohol free days a week at minimum. Smart. Um Sometimes I'll go, I wanted, I always test myself to make sure I'm still in control, that alcohol is not in control, um, being in the industry as long as I have been. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've seen it, uh, you know, kind of destroy some people's lives. So, um, I want to be on the healthy end and on the balance end. And um, I think everybody around that table has probably seen me go too hard sometimes. So. <laughs> um, I got to keep it balanced. But yeah, at the moment, I'm just having some water. Um, I do try to make like uh, alcohol-free cocktails, you know, mocktails. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I keep like, you know, different types of things or like baby alcohol where I might use like a shrub or a... Um, uh, some bitters or something like that that ha- technically has a little bit, but it does not enough to count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, That's yeah, nice. I try to keep it because it's you know like the end of a day. I just got home, um, and you some like to transition from yep. work to home life. Sometimes it's nice to have something in your glass, mm-hmm. um, or like a, you know an edible or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, it's like a little reward. It's like a little reward for working hard during the day. Uh I mean, I am definitely a beer drinker. That's like my number one drink of choice, but I do try to not always drink beer because I have it around me all the time. So at home, my, I kind of like look for those drinks that, okay, 
what can I have that's like my little reward that I make or whatever? And so me, for me, it's been the herbal mushroom teas, you know, yeah, that are yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah. And like, I don't know if they have the positive benefits that they say, but it makes me feel like they do. Like, yeah. yep. <laughs> you know, when I'm sipping my mushroom tea and I'm like, I'm going to be so much smarter tomorrow. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm going to be like completely just like zen and enlightened. <laughs> I mean, um, even if it's the placebo effect, there's power in belief. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Totally true. Yeah. So, and I, I also, I had a funny conversation with some people about mushroom beer. Like, oh, was yeah. it last week? I Ooh, think we it was. Put psilocybin in the beer for sure. Well, I no mean, that is <laughs> <laughs> danger. Danger. <laughs> that is a direction that people are looking into. Is psilocybin mm-hmm. beer like this? You know, we all look at the people are considering weed being incorporated into mm-hmm. beers and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then like psilocybin is a whole nother factor because microdosing is such a big, a big thing yeah, now. Thing right now. Yeah. yeah. So people are definitely that a looking bit into nervous, it. Though. That's a different kind <laughs> no, of cross-faded. It is. <laughs> no, but the thing is with microdosing, it's so minor. Once again, it's totally yeah. placebo effect. It's totally placebo right. effect. And yeah. I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm positive about it. I think it's a good thing. I'm not saying necessarily oh, I think for beer. My, yeah, microdosing but, is it. Like I'm all in favor. I just don't know about it mixing it well with, right. with alcohol. Yeah. But, right. right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can, you can choose to monitor your options as you yeah. go kind of thing but Uh um yeah it's just funny there's different options out there but it was funny I did have that conversation with somebody recently and they're like yeah we're looking into that I'm like oh okay so it is something that's happening test your recipe (laughs) (laughs) on the air on the air air. this will be an episode coming up it better be recorded like yeah so we can all watch Um, (laughs) throughout the entire podcast yeah definitely Mm -hmm. well I'm sure uh, Mario from We Are Sacramento he produces this podcast I'm sure this isn't the first time that somebody probably had uh, psilocybin <laughs> when recording because um, I think I, I, you know. He cannot anyways. confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's been some good, some good stories. Um, okay. It's an NDA, but it's signed in crayon. Yeah. It, <laughs> and it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And it's sold for, no, I'm just joking. Okay. So anyway, so now back to beer, let's get talking because we won't, we don't want to take too much of your time. We know you're busy and you've got your things going on. Um, let's like, let's just start out at the beginning. Like, how did you get into home brewing and brewing and get to where you are today? Just like a quick synopsis for everybody out there in the craft beer industry. Okay. So really quick. Um, I was introduced to craft beer by somebody like, so I drank it. Right. And then I guess I am just, uh, crazy enough, confident enough to think, Oh, I can do this. And so, um, started home brewing and then, um, I was teaching also at the time and uh, I have four children and I was so I was teaching and then coming home to my kids that were all little and I was just exhausted. I wasn't until my uh, husband was like, hey, um, we're getting all the leftovers. Like our kids are getting like the, hmm. you know, not like totally. And it's totally true. I was like, don't touch me. I don't want to help you with homework. Like, you know, um, right. So I decided to change, make a big life change and stop uh, working. And um, 
was at home for a little bit and then that was driving me absolutely nutballs. And <laughs> I so then totally I went, know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So then I actually went to Drake's and I, I mean, I'd already been there. They had just opened the top room and I'd already been there a few times and I was like, Hey, uh, anything I can do around here. So I started bar backing and doing like first Fridays and giving tours, like anything I could do to get out of the house. <laughs> right. Um, and still actively brewing. And then I, um, ended up shadowing, uh, a brewer on deck. Cause I was like, I want to see it on this scale and was offered a job. They, I, we, I went to a party and the, then, um, head brewer found me at this party and says, Hey, I hear that I need to hire you. So what do I need to do? And I was like, just that. Love it. So yeah. So then I started and I was only allowed to like scrub the slime out of drains and the yeah. bottom of the tank. And, oh, no. um, yeah, it was like the worst of the worst, you know, like dirty jobs. That's what I was allowed to do. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was, I was also the only woman in, um, production, the only mother, but you know, like no, <laughs> everyone's like, "What are you? What are you like?" And I was probably ten years older than most of the rest of the staff. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, and I started, uh, and I, you know, just worked from that to cellaring, and then to like just to brewing, and then like lead brewer, head brewer, production manager, yeah, director wow. of brewing ops, brewmaster. Wow, yeah. so I've done almost every job in the in the, on the production side in the brewery. What do you think kept you like going and moving up and working? Yeah. What motivated you? Yeah. Um, it's just, I love to learn and grow and find new challenges, but I just was good at it. I became, re- mm. I was just re- I'm really, you know, I was just good at production. I was good. And then like something clicked in like recipe creation. Like I had been doing it at home, but even on that scale, um, I also, I'm a math major, and so numbers Ooh. make a lot of sense to me, and um, running production, and, like, it it just became, um, I just recognized that it was a, a skill set that I had, um, and uh, I was given a shot, you know, like, I was given opportunity to do, like, to go to hop selection and to, to do the things that, like, make beer fun. And, you know, um, and then the community too, honestly, like there are some ugly stories out there, some really shitty people, but Mm -hmm. there are some really great people out there too. And, um, the Bay area brewing community, the, uh, it's just been, um, it's been a wild ride, but, um, I've had, I've, I've made like lifelong friends, people I would die for, you know? Um, and so, and I'm a, I believe, I don't, I don't know exactly what I believe in terms of God and all of that kind of stuff, but most of it I think is bullshit, but I do believe that this <laughs> life is about, um, relationship. It's about connection with people. Um, Amen. and, uh, and so I'd say like, that's really what kept me was the connections with people. And, you know, when you find that you have a skill, then it's kind of fun to be able to actualize that. And it's an art. And mm-hmm, I yeah. like both sides of my brain, right? The art side as well as the like math and science side get to be active. And so that feeds me. 
So how long did it take you to go from kind of volunteer tour guide to brewmaster? Because super, like, that's inspiring, I got to tell you. Like uh, so many people who are scared <laughs> to even get started to hear that this could happen. I, I'd love to know what that timeline was like. Uh, from the beginning, it was probably about seven years. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's it's also a long, it, yeah, it is, but it's also a, a good amount of time. Yeah. Like seven, seven, years, seven years of brewing you know? is like 15 years of real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, so, especially in yeah. our brewery, I've seen so many different iterations, right? When I started, I think I was with the 30th employee or something. Um, no, maybe it was the 15th employee. I, it was not. It was, wow. There were not a lot of us. And how um, many employees do you guys have now? With our restaurants and everything, we have about 250. Whoa. There you go. You built that. Yeah. <laughs> you built yeah. that. That's so, amazing. <laughs> yeah. And just like, you know, all we we started in, and I was brewing on like a 15 barrel system and then went through expansion. Now we still have the 15 barrel system, but we also have a 60 barrel system. 60, we went from 60? like. Six zero, yeah. Wow. So we went from uh, thirteen thousand barrels brewed to fifty thousand barrels brewed in oh. the time that I've been at Drake. Wow. Yeah. And you yeah. guys, do you guys do tours at Drake's too? Just to like put that out there, or do you not? Um, we haven't actually re. We haven't started it back up. Okay. We did up through until the pandemic, but now we haven't. We we haven't reinstated them. I think there is talk of. Starting it again, I just have to say that like the tour that I had when I came and visited a few years ago was one of my favorite brewery tours I've ever had just because you could see how Drake's uh, grew. Yeah. 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 In segments. Right. And then you figure out, okay, where can we take on more space? How, how can we do this? What challenges do we have? And then like climbing up with solutions. So it, it was really cool. But yeah, I'm yeah. sure that yeah, it was like it it your pipes and beer runs over other businesses in the yeah, ceiling so to get them to yeah. where they need to be so that then they can be yeah. bottled and packaged and everything. I just love that idea. You're like in a um what was it? It was one of the jacket one of the jacket stores. Yes. Burlington Coat Factory. You have no idea that beer is like running over Over your head head to get packaged. (laughs) You're just like, they're buying a coat, but that's how microbreweries work. We expand, we grow, and then we figure Mm -hmm. out how we can do it along the way. Right. You don't just get this big, this big location and roll with it. So yeah, yeah. it's been one of the most challenging parts of my career actually has been going through all the different expansions, right. Mm -hmm. And having to figure out, um, how to continue to brew because you can't like afford to shut down while actively expanding while not compromising on quality while also <laughs> leading a team, yeah. you know, like while still making margin and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for like sharing your kind of growth in your journey into the amazing brewmaster that you are because Mm -hmm. it's like so encouraging to us as women in the industry and just knowing that uh, people listener there to support and grow people. And I think a lot of breweries are, but it all is like working together to get to the next step because brewing is not easy work. 
Um, it's, it's it takes a lot of cleaning and it takes Uh a lot of, um, soul to like get Mm -hmm. through every day. I think, um, yeah, it really is your body and your soul. And like, you know, I literally have scars and, um, my body has been impacted by this career, this career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's incredibly physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what would you say but, is your, your favorite part of what you're doing now? Well, now, um, it's pro- honestly probably leading my team. Love it. Um, yeah, I've stepped in like, especially through the pandemic, I have become a different leader. Um, and leading, leading through that and really learning how to honor people and be people first in an industry that likes to especially exploit production workers. Yeah. Um, not really like to, but it's just part of the yeah. history. Um, yeah. So I enjoy, and sometimes they, you know, it's, it's hard and it gets on my nerves, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. I, I like leading my team. Yeah, you're leading a lot of teams. Yeah. <laughs> We're on your team as well in your in your endeavors. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, can you tell us how you got started in DEI? Like what sparked that for you? How you started the program at Drake's? And who makes up your DEI team? Um, so it was... Honestly, I started it at, um, through the Bay Area Brewers Guild before I started it at Drake. Hmm. Um, and, uh, it was just because there was this, there was a need and, um, conversations needed to happen. Um, I'm a white woman and I mean, I'm a cis white woman and, um, I really feel that it is part of my job to hold other white folks accountable and this industry is full of them right um so you got a lot of work and so yeah it was right before that it was the the beer um beer week the barrier beer week right before the pandemic um and i uh had been asked to speak on a panel and i think those like that's it's great um but this, this, I was overcome with this feeling of like all of the people that have been othered in this industry are always asked to speak on these yeah. channels about being othered in the industry. Um, and so what else, what else is there other than just talking once a year, or like during beer week, what the fuck are we actually doing? And I was, I was just overcome with this. Like it was actually deep emotion in me that was like, we, there's, there's gotta be more, there's mm-hmm. gotta be more. Um, and at this point, you know, I was pretty established and in my career and, and known in the Bay area brewing industry, like I had enough relationships that I could leverage some of that to say like, Hey, something needs to be like, we need to do more. And then they were like, <laughs> and I wanted it done at like, you know, I, I mean, I want it done all over the world in every industry, but um, I, I want it to be bigger than just Drake. Um, so, yeah, I went to, I emailed a bunch of people. I, I emailed everybody that I could think of. And then there, 
they, I got a response back that was like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we'll totally do this as long as you lead it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's more, it's more work for you, Devo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that there was a need. And um, then I got, you know, folks just started volunteering. And um, and now we've had an active committee for the last several years. And through that committee, that's what we, we started Inclusion Beer Project. Um, the, this beer creates opportunities, which is funding and endowment through UC Davis. Um so we've done like resource hiring, like all kinds of different things, um, providing resources to the, the Bay Area Brewers Guild through the Bay Area Brewers Guild. Bay Area Brewers Guild. Ooh, I got it out. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to shake things up and overturn rocks. I really believe like in, like again, going back to um the, the privilege that I that I have being a cis white woman, uh, production being a production worker, and being like a woman hasn't always been fantastic. But mm-hmm. I have a ton of experience, and my lived experience counts for something, and my privilege absolutely counts for something. And I do I I believe in having tough conversations, creating space, and then getting out of the way so that space can be filled with folks that have been historically othered and excluded in this industry. Yeah. So with the, with the Bay area brewers guild, how it, can you kind of explain like how it works just because I think that this is a great model that could possibly be used at other brewers guilds throughout um, California and the U S just because I do feel like you guys are actually doing something. So I'd love to hear like how it works and also, what programs have you started, including, like, collaborations and that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so, how it works is there are, like, volunteers that are members of the um, DEI committee that's sponsored through the, the Area Brewers Guild. Um, and so, and they're members. Some are owners. So, you know, like, and some are not owners, like myself, that are um, working at uh, different breweries. And so our big, like, it was it's open to any um, Bay Area Brewers Guild brewery to have a member on the committee. Um, and we meet, and then we originally what we did, because there's a lot of folks that volunteered initially to be on the committee, is that we split into subcommittees with particular areas of focus. Okay. Um, based on, so we went through this practice, and I think I got it from Dr. Day, um, where oh, the once we split into subcommittees, we had uh, a genuine conversation about the things that we wanted to do, but we knew that we could not do, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone has a bunch of ideas in this kind of context. So we went through this auditing process where like, okay, we're going to write down all of our ideas. And now we're going to narrow. Uh, and instead of focusing on what we can do, we're like, but we're going we're gonna to focus on what like, is really just not possible. And then mm-hmm. we then again, we'll, we'll just keep on vetting this process until we can get like three focus, three things, three action items that we think we can achieve, right? So each subcommittee had three action items that they felt that they could achieve and then went after them. And some of them was uh, throw an event, I think, you know, um, 
like a recruiting event so folks know who we are and what we're about and we can get the word out. Um, you know, there's, there are big aspirational ones like create a endowment through UC Davis. There was mentorship, mm-hmm. there, you know what I mean? There are different things that were thrown out. Um, and then we kind of, all these minds get together and then start creating from once we had our three action, or, you know, things that we thought we could do then start going after it. Right. And using the strengths and talents that we have, because it's kind of like a Venn diagram, right? There's so much stuff that you, that, that you can do. Um, but you got to get into the, the part, the overlap. Mm-hmm. So you can take your talents, you can take what needs to be done and then where the overlap is, that's where we need to, you know, to focus, right? And so we went through that work. Um, we spent a lot of time also in like foundational work, like who we were, what our mission was um, as a DEI committee. And then in definitions, like what is diversity, equity, inclusion? What, what do those things mean? Right. Um, uh, and then we also, so there's also some kind of like, you would call it like boring work that we did. But um, we spent a lot of time working with the Dairy Brewers Go itself and going through their foundational paperwork. You know, so like necessary that, though, right? The boring work yeah, that's so but necessary. Going through, exactly. Going through that, creating code of conduct for events and like whoop, that whoop. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did, we did, so that was one side of things where it was, okay, um, just working with like, how do you write a code of conduct? How do you write a mission statement? How do you, you know what I mean? Those kinds of things. Um, and then vetting like uh, websites and the pictures that are out there, the language that we use, the language that you use in recruitment, like that yes. type of thing. So we did a fair amount of work there. Um, That's like fine tooth stuff. Yeah. The other thing that we did was uh, conduct a survey because being in, from being in the Bay Area, we think we're, you know, so much quote unquote better than the rest <laughs> of the nation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we did a survey and most, I mean, we, we got a pretty good uh, amount of responses and turned out that like <laughs> we're just as white and just as straight and just, you know, as the rest of the nation that our numbers are not that much different. Right. Wow. Um, and so in terms of especially ownership and positions of power, right? Yeah. Um, and production. <clears throat> uh, so that was kind of a wake up that we could say, hey, you all, I know that it feels like we're, you know, we're doing something right. And, you know, some of us are, but we still have a lot of work to do. Um, so that was just like, you know, a baseline for us to, to jump from. And then um, we did uh, some recruitment type stuff because people are always like, you know, I can never get enough employees and whatever. Um, And so we found we worked with someone who used to work for Dave's Killer Bread um, to see like how how we can work with different populations, like those that are coming entering back into. Um, it's not just those that ha- folks that haven't worked in a while, whether it be because they were in, um, you know, jailed or whether it be because they were mothers of young children and mm-hmm. or whether it be because they were taking care of uh, parents or for whatever reason. Um, and there are places all over, like especially in um, urban areas 
there that you can work directly with them to get folks into your brewery, especially if you're open to not like to training instead of into like um, really like making sure the person vibes with the, you know, instead of having like technical brewing experience, right. That they yeah. like are a good cultural fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we did some, it was, it was a really, a really cool kind of um, just establishing relationships uh, through some of these programs. And then um, the biggest thing that we tackled was the endowment and we're still earning right now. Um, and so we have until like June, 2024, so we have just about a year to earn $50,000 um, to establish the endowment. And then um, we'll be able to offer scholarships to wow. historically. How is, how is um, the endowment growing? Like give us the specifics, like what does it mean to have an endowment? What is this all about? Just like, for anybody who's listening, who's never heard of something right. like this before. Cause I, to okay. be honest, what, I don't quite means, know how it works. We talked to yeah. John and John about the UC Davis endowment, but I am not extra clear on the <laughs> difference. And then Drake's involvement with it and how you guys have, have supported the movement forward. Yeah. So we, one of the ways that we can earn money in the beer by making beer. Um, yeah. And so we did, uh, so first we decided that the endowment was something that we needed to do. So we had to work with UC Davis to establish one. And then we said, okay, we're, and it's actually the guild that is, um, it's, it's a guild endowment, right? The Bay Area Brewers Guild Endowment. So it's not brewery specific. Um, and so they had to sign, basically, the guild signed a contract that said, yep, we're going to enter it and be responsible for this endowment, which is, again, we're doing a $50,000 base. Um, and so when we earn $50,000, that goes into this endowment and, and the interest, um, it gets invested, basically, and then, and then the interest gets pulled out. It continues to grow, and, it, and then every year a scholarship or uh, several smaller smaller scholarships can be offered to students based on criteria that we work with with UC Davis to create. Okay. To establish. How close are you to that 50,000 right now? Um, we are a ways out. I think we're about 15,000. We just did. So what we did is we did this. We created a beer called This Beer Creates Opportunities. And for Beer Week, it was the main guild beer, um, and it was brewed at Drake's. And we did a hundred twenty barrel batch, um, <clears throat> and we got sponsorship from different vendors. So we're like, yeah, we'll get in on it. Um, BSG was one of them. <laughs> uh, Thank you, BSG. And yeah, so we created uh, this beer, and then a hundred percent of the proceeds. Um, went to the endowment and um, all of the sponsorship, you know, any of the sponsorship that we got, all of that is like turned into money that goes into the endowment also. Right. Um, So from that, that's where the bulk of that came from Mm -hmm. um, through, through that beer. And now we've read another one um, at humble sea and they're doing something similar where the proceeds then will go to the endowment. 
I don't think they asked for any donations or anything, but, um, and then just different events. Uh, and honestly, when you do like 50,000, I know it seems like a lot, but 50,000 is not that much money to establish this. No, um, I don't think so. The thing is that if we don't make it, right, if we don't make it by June 2024, then we don't have an endowment, but all of that money will go to scholarships. So oh. even if we don't, yeah. So like it, it'll just be one drop instead of something that lives on into perpetuity. How can people get on board to support the endowment so that it, it does get there? Um, you honestly can go on to Inclusion Beer Project. That's another project that we did, but onto the include or even look up this beer trace opportunity or go onto the Inclusion Beer Project page. And there's a link and you can donate directly to the UC Davis endowment right there. You, we got to get there. Like yeah. seriously, yeah. we got to get there. Yeah. This is an amazing project. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yes, like you said, 50,000, like we can get there as a craft beer community and we need to push that. And also, we totally can. so if people are still brewing, are, do they still have the option to brew some of these collaboration beers that you guys sure. have done yeah. to raise yeah. money? Which ones are they that yeah. they could brew? Uh, this beer creates opportunity is um, the one that we've we've done. We've only done two versions of now, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, can totally do because we have two. We had two projects. One was inclusion beer project, and what that was was like if you it was a commitment to establish a DEI community or committee within your uh, brewery, or if mm-hmm. your brewery is small. You could have you a collection of breweries. Some one even like did like a tap house and a brewery where they established a committee. Um, and and um, really, it's just about that. Was just hey guys, start talking about this stuff, right? That's the only commitment you needed to do. And then the endowment is this beer creates opportunities, and uh, that yeah, you can totally brew. Um, and yeah, if you're willing, donate some, it doesn't even have to be a hundred percent. I know it costs a lot of money, but a chunk of change to the endowment and it'd be incredibly helpful. Um, getting technical training into for folks again, that have been historically excluded is it's huge. Um, and I, and I believe very important to get folks that, that don't otherwise have time or money, um, mm-hmm. actual concrete technical training. Um, it's really important. The other thing I think is important is to get, like I said, power and ownership into the hands of yeah. uh, those that have been excluded. Right. One one step at a time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get the word out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to get the word go. out about people brewing these beers. Like seriously, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. So, Diva, I've listened to you speak at a, at a couple of different events, and I I always love all of the examples that you give. I think you you do a really good job of bringing like real world uh, language and and experience and expectations. And so, I was hoping you could elaborate on equity versus equality and how you approach that at, at Drake's. Mm. Equity versus equality, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's complicated, but you've, I've heard you give some great examples about 
you know, what it means to employees at Drake's and, you know, for example, like adjusting the times that people come into work. So it aligns with the, with the bus schedule, like simple things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I talked about, um, and I think you guys have all heard me say that this industry has got like a little bit of a Peter Pan attitude and doesn't really want to grow up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Um, and, uh, it's time, it's time to, to leave Wonderland <laughs> and to, um, like still have the same kind of fun, um, attitude and, and, but it's, it's time to focus on actually taking care of our people, especially those that do, um, you know, a lot of this, the physical work of, of making our beer, um, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, like our back of house staff. But, um, and so there's simple things like going, um, we do four tens, um, nice. there's like flexible schedules for those that can have them. Yeah. And really thinking about how people are getting to work, um, being willing to adjust hours so that, uh, I mean, and all you have to do is pay attention to your public transportation um, schedule. Like, look at, we're fortunate because we have, like, a park station that's not too far away. And, mm-hmm. a, you know, you can catch, catch a bus from that. Um, but looking at uh, the environment you're in and how that impacts your employees, um, as well as, the, obviously, the decisions that you make that impact your employees. Um, consistency in schedule. That's another thing. Um, we, during the pandemic, I had three folks, um, where their partners had a child. Mm. Um, and so we were able to extend family leave. Um, I was able to work with them and like when they were returning to work and what that looks like, uh, really making sure that there's balance and folks have, time off and time away where they can be unplugged. Um, if like switching shifts so that somebody's not stuck on like the mid shift or the night shift for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking for honestly any opportunity, uh, to make, to bring balance to folks life. Mm-hmm. And then, um, doing regular pay audits to make sure that we're paying at or above, uh, industry standard and then preferably hopefully we're paying uh, a living wage right mm-hmm. so um, just yeah regular audits that's uh, an issue in the so, brewing industry though right it really paying is a living it really wage is. I mean mm-hmm. I don't know I this also came up in the talk with UC Davis uh, master's brewers program Um I feel like craft beer needs to be more expensive. That's just what I'm going to put out there because uh, we're at a place where it is a craft. It is an art and um, similar to wine, but yet we're not able to pay people in the industry what they should be paid. And I, I don't that this is like a dilemma that is like across the board everywhere. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's really hard because, um, and this is, I think, so this is one of the things that I struggle with, right? Because I don't want to price out right. people, from, you know what I mean? Like people should have access to quality craft beer as well, yep. right? From mm-hmm. In terms of it being an accessible and affordable cost, right? Um, but if you can't have like 
your cake and eat it too, right? So, like, I don't love the idea of, like, $25 four-pack, but I also don't love the idea of uh, paying, you know, minimum wage to uh, a full-time production employee, right? Yeah, right. Um, And so uh, part of it is, honestly, I think part of it is on government policy and the fact that we can't, uh, we don't have enough systems in place that actually take care of people in terms of health care, even in California, when yeah. we're, we're, we're one of the most liberal and um, we have some of the most uh, advanced like legislation in terms of protection of the uh, of employees. But there's still a ton of work to do. Right. And and so some is like honestly pushing for policy change at uh, a city on a city level and a county level and a you know state level to make sure that there are there is protection in place for workers, right? Mm-hmm. So some of it's that, and then they, then that we do like have child care, free child care, um, that college is a lot more accessible, that we have uh, health care that. You know, folks shouldn't have to pay, shouldn't have to worry about going to work sick, right? Like, because they can't, there's not enough PTO days. Um, uh, Family Leave Act, making sure, you know, there's all of this kind of like structural, systemic uh, stuff that I I mean, we as members in the society should be pushing for and advancing, right? Um, So there's that. And then there's, I mean, where we can charge the most is across our own bars, right? Because that's where you make the highest margin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making, like, really thinking about the price that you're setting and then thinking about how you're structuring your labor. Um, and, uh, you know, doing the best that you can to pay the most that you possibly can Yeah, within the context of those. It's also, in my career, since I've been doing this, it's never been more expensive to make beer than it is right now. Right. Um, and in terms of, like, raw materials have gone up, uh, both, like, hot sites of brewing raw materials, as well as uh, chemicals, as well as uh, all packaging materials, um, and then, like, freight and all of that kind of stuff is just everything is like, and then water, CO2, gas, like O2, uh, electricity, all of those costs have gone up exponentially in the last few years too. And so just like turning, yeah, turning the lights on is a lot more expensive. Some of it, like the consumer is going to have to pay some of it. Right. Mm Um, so figuring out like for you and your brewery, like what that looks like, like maybe you don't put certain beer in a uh, package and you really focus yeah. on doing like an affordable, accessible draft beer. Yeah. Um, Smart. But really thinking about your product mix, really thinking and thinking about it in terms of not just like, I mean, I know that everybody's thinking about it in terms of profitability, but think about in terms of taking care of your people as well. And I think being honest too with your consumers about like, yeah, we're going up a dollar a pint. We frankly need to pay our staff yes, more. Exactly. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So I think it's really tough though. And these are some things that I grapple with on my end. Um, 
again about the accessibility of of quality beer to like everyone. I know um, folks are not like super stoked sometimes if their beer is available at like a Walmart. But then I'm like, but if you can get really high, like there's lots and lots of people that shop at Walmart that would not otherwise be exposed to. I love the idea of my beer being at Walmart. I love this idea. I like, I like, I want my beer anywhere. My beer can be like, seriously, make it accessible. Yeah. Cause I want it I want it accessible. I want like, if we can make a quality beer, it's like, one, I think that there's a beer out there for everybody. I do believe there's a beer out there yeah. for everybody. Same. If you're not drinking alcohol, then there's none else. I'm not going to make that for you, exactly. but it exists. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, there's, there's a beer for everybody. And I want, I want folks to be able to access it without pretension to just be able to drink um, and be able to get it and be able to afford it and enjoy it regardless of their economic status. Right. So good beer um, everywhere. And like black is beautiful. So like black is beautiful um, with weather. So what, what is it? Weather tolls, weather. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's going to be at Walmart's throughout the U S like coming up soon, which is awesome. Like I, like I love that. Yes. And like for the screening at CBC for the documentary that Marcus did. um, And then he announced that after that this would be at Walmart throughout the U.S. And then the story is there and shared with everybody that picks up a four pack. Like that's amazing. Right. You know, I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally just got goosebumps. I like, I absolutely love it. I think I got goosebumps. But when I, when you talk about the whole, everything that went down at CBC, it's amazing. Oh, but, yes. So like future episodes, people don't even know <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen on this series. Uh, for we have so much to talk about. There's so much that's happened. <laughs> yeah, um, and we'll just keep yeah, talking. I love it. Yeah. It's, um, it's been amazing. But also the interesting thing with craft beer is you can have a high and feel like, craft beer is moving in the right direction and then you go have a meeting and you just feel like slapped across the face and you're like oh yeah yeah i mean that's been my the entire career there's been like wins and then yeah or like i walk into i mean honestly this is the first bbc that i've ever been to where i didn't feel like i had to make myself small Mm. excellent congratulations that's like i'm just gonna be me and, um, you know, like, I'm not going to explain if you don't know, you know, what I, 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 I just, good. a lot of, a lot of times I walk into space, especially, um, and, and I do, like, I've, I've just made my, in, historically made myself small. And I, I was like, no, it's not, it's not going down like that this year. Exactly. I'm going to be, you know, um, I'm part of this industry yeah. and I'm changing this industry. Yeah. And let's Uh talk, but like, it's funny because I have a very like, I don't know. I get anxious when I'm talking to people and I get anxious being in the room. I've had a lot of um, issues in my craft beer life that have led me to this place where I have like PTSD with any ideas that come out of my mouth. So it is something in craft beer when you just decide to walk into a room and say, this is me. And I'm important mm-hmm. and let's talk beer and let's like see how we can change the industry together. Um, yep. And I see that movement happening. 
But even more so, I see that like people are reacting to other things that are happening that are pushing, you know, like moving mm-hmm. the needle. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's scary, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. It, it craft beer is an interesting place, like as we all know. So it we is have to, yeah, It is so weird. Yeah. Like we yeah. feel like we can be advancing, and then something happens, and it takes us five six five steps back. I mean, mm-hmm. we were just talking about the big beer today about like Bud Light and um, Miller Coors. Miller Coors when they're making statements. To yeah. promote diversity, equity, and inclusion in the industry. And then they get this backlash where everybody just stops drinking their beer. And I, you know, it's, it is discouraging, but I also feel like we need to come together as an industry and say, fine, don't drink beer then. <laughs> yeah. Fine, yeah. don't, like, we don't, don't pick, anyway. yeah, yeah, we don't want you anyway. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah like, I mean, I like oh. this idea. And it's something that, you know, like... Everybody has been saying, like, you know, there's the beers for everybody, and I, t- I totally get behind that. But then I think lately what I've been thinking is, like, no, actually, like, not everybody <laughs> is welcome. Like, no. not it's not for no. everybody. If you cannot get down, then if you're going to be an asshole, if you're going to be a jerk, then you can fuck off. Like, yeah. the beer is not for you. And that's right? where I think if, these big companies yeah. should have, like, I know it's hard to say because I'm not a big company, but should have, like stood strong and said, yeah, the times are changing, but it's interesting because we've seen other, um, you know, people like we were just talking about today, like Beyonce, like changed all her bathrooms to like general neutral bathrooms on her tour. Like being woke is something of the future, my friends. And like, if you yeah. are not there, then I'm sorry. If, if, if people who are making these changes, <laughs> yeah, don't apologize. Exactly. Don't apologize. Yeah. Just do it. And if they don't want to be a part of it, fine. Don't buy yeah. Bud Light. Don't buy yeah. Miller. Yeah. Don't buy. We don't care. Yeah. I don't care yeah. what you're buying, but like we need to support people. And they made those decisions to do that. And then the backlash came and then it was like, oh God, we got to like. Crumpled under the pressure. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens, hopefully. But I don't, yeah. I think part of their companies crumpled, but I think part of their companies are rising. Like they're, pro- you know, yeah. they're behind the scenes and like yeah. planning for the next. They knew what was right. They took those right yeah. steps. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can be really, hard. Yeah. And I, I do think that there is like a, what it does feel like one step, uh, you know, forward, two steps back. Yeah. But I think what it is is just that. The forward movement is smaller than I want to see sometimes, right? Like, but then when mm-hmm. I looked like where it was like three years ago, or when you look, you know, um, as long as we're moving forward, right? We're still advancing. We're moving forward, and sometimes I want it to be. I'm an idealist, um, and I want radical change right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the world needs people like me. I'm not apologizing for who I am. I'm over that, but I'm not making myself small anymore, right? Like. I am an idealist and I want radical change and I'm going to push for that. I also understand that radical change is not going to happen uh, overnight and that it will be there, there, you know, incremental change that gets us. And I mean, sometimes there will be radical movement and sometimes there will be small changes and sometimes there'll be setbacks, but, mm-hmm. but we're still moving forward. Right. We're still advancing. And, um, I think uh, this industry is hard because we're already so far behind in a lot of ways, right? Um, there's not, 
I mean, there are other industries that are as white and as male as we are, but not a ton, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so uh, we're starting at a different place. And so it fe- I think sometimes it feels a little bit more discouraging. And then sometimes I just get angry and want to fix people. It's true. Like I want to like <laughs> slap them across the face or like wake the fuck up. Like, why don't you see things that, you know, but why is this so hard for you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not up for debate. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to be respectful of your time. So we, we're going to try to wrap it up with just a couple, uh, maybe one more question for you. And, um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll try to close it up. Um, I mean, so we have a quote who I believe is from you that says, (laughs) I would tell women to recognize that they will be playing by a different set of rules. You will be required to work harder in ways that your counterparts won't. Um, ouch, right? (laughs) It's true. It's true. You have to work harder. You have to prove your value. You have to come in with confidence, but not so much that people find it intimidating. (laughs) (laughs) I was legit just told this week that I'm intimidating. So it still happens. I I had someone tell me that people aren't intimidating. People get intimidated. Uh And I like that. Yeah. 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 I like that too. I mean, what, what, uh, what wisdom would you give to people who want to enter the brewing industry who maybe found out about it on this podcast they go like oh yeah i drink beer i would love to experience more of the art side of beer but the way you're talking about it sounds a little (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing and it's also really difficult and i want to be involved what can i do yeah i mean i would say to actually like go for it you do do there is passion required um it is not for the faint of heart like there is it's work being in beer is work um and if you're really in it, then do it. Go for it. Um, and be willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, take no shit. Yeah. Right? Take no shit. Like, do no harm. Take no shit. Yeah. <laughs> make beer. <laughs> yeah. Take no shit. Do no harm and make beer. Um, Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's great. That's my, I like that. Take no shit. <laughs> Do no harm and make fear. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to call back to, we talk to people from Urban Roots and something that they say pretty frequently there is that we have never, or we will never arrive in reference yeah. to our goal of a perfect, most equitable, thriving industry. Um, yeah. Do, do you have an opinion about that? Yeah, I believe that the work is never done. Uh, yeah, there is no arriving. There is no box that we get to check. There, we don't get to pat ourselves on the back. Um, we will always be evolving, always learning, always growing, always adapting. Um, yeah, and into perpetuity. That is that is our destiny. And for everybody out there, any shout outs that you want to give right now about people doing good stuff, who inspires you, things we need to look into, anything you want to kind of put out there before we close down? Oh, man. I mean, you guys have whole podcasts coming about this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot out there, but I know you know a lot. You're really connected with a lot of things going on and... 
we did talk about many of them in this episode. So, yeah, I mean, look at uh, from the Bay Area Brewers Guild. If you're local, um, check out yeah, Inclusion Beer Project and this beer creates opportunity. Um, check out even like this from the Sacramento beer scene, like what OP and Urban Roots are doing. Um, check out, I mean, Helical Soul and uh, Hen House and. Um, you Brewing with Brothers is there yeah. coming up. Yeah. Um, Humble C. Yeah. And Crooked Humble Lane. Humble C. All of her Crooked Lane. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are so many. Like, spend your money at these breweries. Um, spend your time at these breweries. Where it's like, it's, we're going to outnumber <laughs> the, yeah. the right Eventually. Too, so. Eventually yeah. we will. But I, um, I, I know that, And there that, are so yeah. many projects within right and one of the things that i'm really loving is seeing the evolution of folks breaking into the industry um and breweries sharing space sharing time sharing um intellectual property right like yeah. um i i got to have like black barrel project come and hang out at drake for a little bit and just like pick my brain and ask me any question, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm really loving that evolution right now, which is, uh, something that's happened. That's, that's newer. Um, and I've seen it again, especially like with Helicoastal Brewing with Brothers, Black Barrel Brewing Project, um, where taking people that are wanting to break in. And I mean, and also even like Crowns and Hops too, and, um, providing, not just like, but actually putting action to it. But yeah, come in onto the production floor and we can give you production space and time or like rent free or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's like, amazing. Different. And then to get questions answered because like so many of those issues that arise in the early days of brewing on a production level, like if you can have an expert who's been doing it for so many years, they're like, Oh, I know mm-hmm. what your issue is. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. got to look at this. You yeah. got to look at that. You don't need to like pay thousands of dollars in mm-hmm. consultants coming in. You just talk yep. to the people who have yep. done this for so many years. And that provides mm-hmm. like that foundation for homebrewers coming into the industry to solve yep. these issues right away. Yep. That's right. Um, and right. it's and fun, then, like, and you know? then, then it is a lot of fun. But the networking really is priceless. Connecting people to people yes. that can advance your whatever it is, your knowledge, your career, your brewery. Like, I mean, it's huge. It's it's yeah. absolutely huge. And um, and it really is critical. And there are a lot of folks that haven't had access to those networks. Right. And that's something that I'm seeing, you know, happen a lot more. And I think it's, I mean, I'm totally here for it. Cool. And willing to impart anything that I have. That's amazing. Like, I'm an open book. That's yeah. amazing. Thank you, you so much. Yeah. So, yeah, you can email me at Devon at drakesbrewing.com and I'll answer your questions or point you to somebody. Who <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Let's, I don't have the answer. Let's have yeah. a beer or let's walk the floor while I'm working. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. A lot of the times yeah. I will be working while we're answering questions, yeah. but I'm here for you. So, well, thank you so much yeah. for taking the time to join us today. I would love to um, yes. spell that out in case anyone Go. actually would love to contact you. That was D-E-V-O-N-N-E, right? Yep. At Drake's yep. Brewing. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Yeah, any questions? And again, if I don't have the answers, then I probably know somebody does, and I'll point you that way. 
I love it. Yeah. So, the, so the message today is uh, collaboration and paying it forward, right? That's what it yeah. sounds like. It's, For uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Let's and get together and do some shit. No harm. And <laughs> <laughs> make that's right. Beer. Beer. Yeah. Let's make beer. That's I love beer. it. That's, yeah. that's, that's, we've got to get. We've got to make that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we need the merch. Do no harm. Yeah. And make good beer. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, Diva, okay. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. We want to share your stories and hear the voice of the people to drive change in the industry. Your short, your stories and truths happening in the craft industry need to be heard. Reach out and let us know if you've got something to share. To learn more about the CEC and who's involved, visit us on Instagram at craftequity.co and our website, www.craftequitycollective.com. This podcast was brought to you by We Are Sacramento and The Loft.